Man, I really believe we're on the brink of something special. I, I, re I really believe that. Hallelujah. And see, what I realize is that God is about to bless your life and you're not going to be by yourself. And the people around you should want you to be blessed because you're a giver at heart anyway. And when God gives you and you get the spillover, he's a God of more than enough. So everybody around you and everybody that's attached to you, they are about to be blessed. Hallelujah. Come on, decree and declare your road to be blessed. Look down your road and say, I decree and declare this road to be blessed. Everybody that's sitting on this road with me is blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if you ain't have nobody that's speaking on your road, I'm sorry for you. But praise be unto God. How many of you glad to be here this morning? Come on now, don't fool me. How many of you really glad to be here this morning? How many of you came with great expectation today? Would you believe me if I told you that God wants you to have more than enough? That God wants you to have exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think? Would you believe that if I told you that? Well, not because I told you, but because his word said it. Exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Hallelujah. Now, how many of y'all been thinking on some things? And how many of you been crazy enough to ask for some things? <laughs> Woo! And see, it's already started. You ain't got to worry about it because it's already begun. Hallelujah. It's already begun. And I know some of you all say, well, you know, year after year, we just believe in God for this and we believe in God for that. But think about it. Every year, all that you are faced with, you are able to come through it. Just like he prepared you to come through 2023, he done already went ahead of you and prepared for you to come through in 2024. Now, how many of you know that you got some things you got to do in this year to come? God has need of you, and you want to do what he wants you to do. I want to be in the right place at the right time, around the right people, in the right situation, the right circumstance. And I want God, that's the song they were just singing, to just literally blow our minds. He's a mind-blowing God. Hallelujah. And it's good to be sitting amongst winners. If you know Christ and Christ knows you, you are a winner in this place. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I'm really, I'm looking for God to show out in, in your life this year. And see, you got to be prepared for what he wants to do. When he do it, you can't act like God didn't do it. Now you don't need him. When he shows up and show out in your life, now you act like, well, I did this on my own. 
Uh-uh, God had to set that thing up perfectly so you can walk right through it. I'm telling you, it's a perfect setup for you and your family. Come on, decree and declare. It's a perfect setup for me and my family. Now tell somebody, it's a perfect setup for you and your family. And we're going to receive that today. Tell them, say, we're going to receive that today. It's a perfect setup. I may not can see it with the natural eye. That's okay. But my faith says it's already done. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the things that you had to endure, the things that you had to just pray your way through it, the things you had to cry through, the things that God had to pull you through. And as songwriters say, he's pulling me through. He had to pull you through that sickness. He had to pull you through that difficult situation. He had to pull you through that financial burden. God had to pull you through all of that. And watch this, you're still standing in here in living color. Go ahead and celebrate him and give him praise for that. Hallelujah. Come on, say with me. I decree, I declare that my time starts now. It starts now. Hallelujah. Now give him the praise like you know that it starts now. Give somebody a high five and say it starts now. Come on, give your neighbor a high five, three of them. Say it starts now. Right now. It starts right now. In my thought life, in my spiritual life, in my physical life, it starts right now. What is it that God is working on in your life? You're going to see it to completion. It's going to happen like he says it's going to happen. You're going to live to see it happen. Look down your road and tell everybody the point. Say, you're going to live to see it happen. Come on. You're going to live to see it happen. Whatever God is working on, he's able to finish it. You in school? God going to give you the wherewithal and the know-how to finish. You started on getting a new job. God going to see that you finish by getting what you started. You started building a house. God going to see to it that you finish it. Hallelujah. Somebody lean back and say, I shall finish. Come on, lean back one more time and say, I shall finish. One more time, I shall finish strong. I shall finish strong. Hallelujah. Why you say, why you have people to speak it? That's what generates and begins your faith. Speak those things that be not as though they were. You got to speak it into the atmosphere. You got to say it so that your mind and your body, your spirit can catch up with what you are saying. 
Hallelujah. You have not because you ask not. Whatever you want, you got to ask God for it. And he gives to us freely and liberally. Hallelujah. This is how God is. When you ask for something, he give you that. And then he say, all right, you want some more? Boom, give you some more. He say, right, you want some more? Give you some more. I say, okay, God, I said, uh-uh, I'm going to give you some more. It's like he'll turn it on, and it's like it's the heart to stop it. Well, that's how some of you all going to be. When God turned that thing on, sister, when he turned that thing on, brother, it's going to be hard for it to stop because you done already primed the pump, and you can't stop the flow of God. Come on, take your hand and say, the flow of God is on my life. The flow of God is on my life. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no sense in getting jealous of what other folks speak on their life. You didn't part your mouth to say nothing. God said, well, I figured you didn't want nothing. But if you open your mouth and you said something, God said, who is that talking in faith right there? I hear somebody talking in faith. You know why? Because faith moves God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God said, if you want to please me, you got to operate in faith. Where are my faith talkers in here? My faith walkers in here. Hallelujah. All right. I feel pretty good today. I'm going to stop. Hallelujah. All right, what my children's church leaders? Let's give them a good big hand. Come on. Would you dis dismiss your children to children's church this morning? Let's give our children a great big hand. They're, they're lovely. Wonderful children we have. Wonderful children we have. Wonderful children we have. Amen. Let's give those uh, uh, leaders another great big hand. They do a great job with our children. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want you to go to St. John, the sixth chapter. St. John, the sixth chapter and verse four. If you have our app, if you haven't downloaded the app, please download the app, the Winning Church app, and you can get the notes from the Winning Church app. Amen. But St. John, the sixth chapter, and we're probably going to start round about the fourth verse. I want you to get it first. And this month, we are talking about winning in giving. Say that with me, winning in giving. And I want to, We last week, we talked about that God expects every Christian, every believer to give. That's the expectation from God from what we studied on last week. But I hear someone asking the question, I understand that God expects me as a believer, as a Christian to give. But I heard the question of some of you asking, what if I'm broke? And that's what I want to talk about today. What if I'm broke? 
So we did talk about how God expects his people to give. And so in our text, we see what Jesus can do when a gift is offered to him in faith. Now, I'm not a gambling man, but I have to admit I was pretty intrigued by the Powerball, you know, when I saw that the prize was $1.6 million. Billion dollars, not million, but billion. Man, I tell you what, people were lined up all across the country to purchase a ticket in the hope of being, becoming an overnight billionaire. And several of you told me that if you won, that you would give a large chunk of it to the winning church. Oh, well, maybe next time, but you didn't win. Hallelujah. But the people are drawn to the idea of winning big because we think if we win big, it solves all of our problems. And there's no doubt that there are quite a number of us that are in need of winning big in life. Uh, your life don't start by winning from what the world calls luck. Because we don't live by luck, we live by blessings. We don't say I got lucky, uh-uh, we blessed. There's a difference. And let me share with you the financial situation most Americans are in. A new report released by the Go Banking Rates, which tracks interest and banking rates nationwide, found that the average American is, in, uh, is more than 225,000 in debt with many having less than 500 in savings. In case you're wondering, that's not good. And so most people are living under a quite a bit of financial strain. And then to top it off, you come into the church and hear that we're going to, through this a series of messages entitled Winning in Giving. You might be thinking, how in the world can I give when I am broke? How in the world can I be generous when I'm struggling just to pay my bills? And today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see Jesus ministering to a bunch of people who had a lot of needs. And if anything, these people needed Jesus to give something to them. But what we're going to see was that before these people could be blessed by God, hear me now, it would require them to take a step of faith. And that's how it is. Before you can be blessed by God, he requires us to take a step of faith. Are you there in John 6? Verse 4 says, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and was a great company become, come unto him, he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 pennies worth of bread is not sufficient for them, and that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, 
There's a lad here, a child here, which have five barley loaves and two small fish, which, but, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, may the, make the men set down. Now there was much uh, grass in the place. So the men sat down in number by about 5,000. Verse 11 says, and Jesus took the loaves, and when they had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fish as much as they would. So you see leadership there. As he passed down the disciples, they passed down the people. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. You see that? Verse 13 says, Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the barley, of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. How you wind up with more than what you started with? <laughs> That's another message at another time. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a true, that prophet that should come into the world. Now, just let me give you a little background here. Uh, if you would take a trip and go over to visit uh, the Sea of Galilee, of course, with what's going on, you know, we're not moving to go anywhere fast. You understand what I'm saying? They tan up stuff over in there. However, you would be able to see the area where Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And what's interesting about this miracle is that it's the only miracle Jesus performed that's mentioned in all of the four Gospels. For you scholars, that's a note to, note to remember. This is the only miracle that Jesus did that's mentioned in all of the four Gospels. And I'm sure it was a big story because of the size of the crowd. And we're told 5,000 men plus women and children gather on the banks of the Sea of Galilee to hear Jesus teach. And that's made many scholars believe this crowd could have been anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people. Now, why was there such a large crowd there? Well, because Jesus was a renowned for being an incredible teacher. Crowds were drawn to him because he taught with power and authority. But the crowds were also huge because Jesus had performed miracles. He'd healed people of diseases, cured blindness, and turned water into wine, do a few things like that, and the people are going to come and see you for curiosity's sake. And there are a lot of lessons to take from this story, but one of the lessons we're going, we're going to see is a lesson on giving. Now, how in the world can we give when we're broke? How in the world can we give when we don't have anything? And through this story, Jesus lets us see how we can approach giving when we don't feel like we have anything to give. Are you ready? 
The first approach to giving is, if you're taking notes, if you don't have the app, is number one, start with what you have. Now, we find this in verses 4 through 9. You got to start with what you have. Say that with me. I must start with what I have. Now, in Israel, you will find that the fishermen in Galilee basically travel the shorelines and, and don't travel much in open waters because it enables them to get out of the storm quicker if it pops up. So it made it easier for this crowd to follow Jesus to the other side. And so why in the world were they so intent on following after Jesus? Verse 2 gives us the answer. It says they seen Jesus healing people and they were eager to see more of it. Wouldn't you be? If I saw a blind man cured by someone, I'd be looking to see where that guy was going next so I could get a front row seat to see what he's going to do next. But why were there so many people following after Jesus? We can answer that question partly because it was near the Passover. And the hundreds of thousands of people would begin uh, would be making their way down to Jerusalem so that they could go to the temple. So that they can go to the temple. They were making way so that they can go to the temple. They were determined that nothing was going to stop them from making it to the temple. Well, we live in 2023, about to hit 2024. If, we, if, if there's a small half of an excuse that will not allow us to go to the temple, we ain't going to make it. It's right, it's right quiet in here right now. Because we'll come up with every excuse. If I cough with I'm drinking water and it go down the wrong pipe, ooh, I'm coughing, I can't go today. If I get choked up on my own saliva, oh, I'm feeling something. But they were determined to go down to the temple. The crowd was following after Jesus for substantial. It was substantial, but we're told that the crowd was made up of 5,000 men. And once you put the women and children into that number, Many scholars say that the crowd would be up to fifteen or 20,000. So ego-wise, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself if I was Jesus in the flesh because you know how we are as human beings. I'd be thinking, look at that. 20,000 people following my boat because they want to see me teach. They want to see me touch them. See, it couldn't be some of us because we had the big head, big head, the big head. Amen. But it's interesting to see that Jesus wasn't thinking about himself and how great he was at this time. He was really thinking about the people. So what was he doing? He was thinking about the people. And this is a story that's found in Matthew 14 and 14. Uh, they'll put the scripture up there. And in this text, the disciples came to Jesus and said, look what he said. 
This place is a wilderness, and it is already late. Uh-huh. Send the crowd away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. You do it. First natural, then spiritual. You find somebody hungry, don't try to preach to them first. Give them something to eat first. And then you preach to them. Don't grab them for by the hand and say, oh, Lord, send a meal by and send somebody by to give them something to eat and get somebody to take them to. No, you do it. I don't care if you have to go home and just make up, you know, something, you know, work up something real quick. Feed them. Hallelujah. Some of y'all that used to say amen, ain't saying amen now. So. so the issue was, it was getting late. And there was a huge crowd of people, and the people were hungry, but didn't have any food. And Jesus boldly was letting his followers know that he was going to take care of them. And in verse 5, he asked where they could go, where they could buy bread so that the people could eat. And so Philip was a pragmatist. It like he, it's like he heard Jesus then said, you got to be kidding me. Even if I had 200 denarius, it wouldn't even touch feeding this group. 200 denarius was worth about 200 days salary. In other words, Philip was saying, Jesus, you're asking us to give, to take care of these people, but we're broke. We don't have anything to give them. Do you see all these massive people, 5,000 men, about 20,000 all together? These folks got a hit for children. <laughs> Mom, I'm hungry. I, I, I can understand because, let me tell you something, my grandsons, every time you turn around, I'm hungry. Didn't you get, we just fed you. Look like these little children, they, every time you turn around, they want to eat. I mean, that little Eli, he eats just as much as EJ. I'm hungry. You can't be hungry. Come on now, y'all don't feel that way? You know, I got three grown children and six grandkids and, you know, family, you know, keep growing, look like, you know. I'm like you, I got a mortgage too, you know. I got four vehicles, you know, and a ministry that have to, I have to have faith for weekly. So you don't know the anguish. Because we live, we live from week to week. You can say the church live from paycheck to paycheck because we got to have faith that you're going to come in and give so we give, keep the lights on. And if you got a bigger ministry, you got to believe God for more. Folks talking about they want to be, be like TDJ. Well, TDJ got to believe God for 250000 in the offering each week. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the kind of ministry you want? Okay. And I believe God don't give us things because we don't have the faith for it. Some things you asking for, you don't have the faith for it. It's kind of overwhelming when God gives you an assignment. 
But the neat thing to see is that Jesus simply, watch this, calls us to start with what we have and not what we don't have. Are you hearing me? So there are so many needs in our world today that's easy to think I really don't have a whole lot to offer. And so what it is, what good is my, you know, giving really going to do? Because Philip told Jesus that he didn't have the resources to make a difference. But now in verse 8, Andrew, the brother of Peter, took a shot in the dark and told Jesus, I've found a boy that has five barley loaves and two fish. We ain't got nothing, but I found a boy that got something. And not exactly what you call a feast now. As a matter of fact, barley was typically used to feed animals. It was a, a, of a poor quality. And the fish wasn't salmon. The two fish were sardines. I don't even think two saltines would be enough to satisfy the hungry or one person. And it was all that they had. But here's the interesting thing. It was all they needed. You didn't hear me. It was all that they had, but it was all that they needed. See, some of you thinking right now, you ain't got to give like him, her, them, him, she, that, no, no, God said, you, all that you got right now is all that you need. <laughs> See, you're trying to look at somebody else to see, well, if I had their gift, if I had their calling, if I had what they had, then I'd be able to do what I think God called. No, no, God said, use what you got. You got to find out what you're good at and maximize what, what you have. <laughs> and so Jesus isn't calling us to give what we don't have. He calls us for us to give out of what we do have. And that means that everyone's giving is acceptable. Say that with me. Everyone's giving is acceptable. Now, if you're familiar with the story, would you say that their gift of five loaves of crummy bread and two saltines was a blessing? See, 2 Corinthians 8 and 11 tells us, but now finish the task as well, that just as there was eagerness to desire it, so there may also be a completion from what you have. When you started, basically all you had was a desire. When you started, basically all you had was faith. It's like when Moses, all he had was a rod in his hand and God said, use what you have. I don't have an army. I don't have any tanks. I don't have no planes working for me, Moses would say. But God said, if you would just use the rod, I'll turn this whole nation around. Now, rod solely in your hand without God is nothing. But a rod in your hand with God can turn 
turn the whole world upside down. Glory be to God. Most of us think if we had more, then we would give more. But the, the, the statistics don't bear that out. According to Forbes, listen to me. There were 946 billionaires in 2007. And they gave the average of 1.2% of their income to charitable causes. 946 billionaires only gave 1.2% of their income to charity. See, be generous with whatever amount of money God has entrusted to you. Most of the people who worship their money don't give. Why? It comes down to a matter of trusting that when Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That it's true. Because these men were willing to bring to Jesus what they had. Even though it didn't look like much, they got to experience something they could, couldn't even phantom. All they found was a little boy that had two little mighty fish. Five little barley birds. And one of the disciples say, hey, I found this boy here. Uh, you know, we're just going to take a stab at it. What can you do with this Jesus? In the boy's hand, it stayed two fish and five little barley. But when it transferred over into Jesus' hand, who am I talking to in here? You just got to do the transfer. Take it out of your hands, and y'all ain't ready for me today, and put it in Jesus' hands. Would you tell somebody so kindly beside you, when you take it out of your hand, and you put it in Jesus' hand, you about to see a miracle come your way. All this time in 2023, you trying to keep everything in your hand. God said, No! Put it in the hands of the Lord. When you pray about it, give it to Jesus. When you care about it, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Throw it on him. He said, give it to me. I'll do something with it. All this time, you're trying to work this thing yourself. Get in nowhere. You're not going to be able to phantom in your mind what God is about to do when you just take that thing and put it in God's hand. 
That's why the song they just say, say, he gonna blow your mind because you about to switch, you about to transfer, you about to put it in the hands of God and stop trying to work it out yourself. Put your marriage in the hands of God. Put your health in the hands of God. Put your job in the hands of God. Put your family in the hands of God. might look at yourself and think, I can't afford to give. Let me put, it a diff put a different spin on it. You can't afford not to give. In my book, Life Changing Promises, chapter 5, Building a Life of Faith, I said, number one, faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. Say that with me. Faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. Secondly, I said faith is believing even when you can't see it. Say that with me. Faith is believing even when you can't see it. Number three, I said giving is, uh, faith is giving even when you can't afford it. Say that with me. Faith is giving even when you can't afford it. So you understand faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. So you got to understand God told uh, Abraham in Genesis 12 and 1, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham said, God, where am I going? God said, you've never been here. You never heard of this place before. Abraham said, how long will it take to get there? God said, don't worry about that. Abraham said, that how will I know when I get there? God said, I'll tell you. God was asking Abraham to make a major move with very little information to go on. You got to move on the behalf of God even when you don't understand it. You got to obey when you don't understand. Abraham, he went and didn't understand what God was doing and how he was going to do it. He just went anyway. Are oh, you following me? And then you got to have faith, believing even when you can't see it. See, the main problem uh, with not having a son is that God had made a special promise, a covenant with Abraham that involved Abraham having a son. And this is a serious promise uh, which, uh, you know, assured that Abraham would come become the father of many nations. He wasn't the father of any, but God said, I'm going to make you father of many. And so his descendants would be countless and his descendants would have a promised land and he was given all these wonderful, incredible promises and this honor and blessing would come through his son. And this is interesting because Abraham did not have a son. There's a time in the Bible when Abraham does one of those timeouts. He said, God, I appreciate all this, but I don't have a son. Abraham couldn't see a way that this could even ever come true true God spoke to him at 75 and say you gonna have a promised child but how many of you know that sometimes we get in the way and try to help God out all due respect today ladies listen let me look up here at me all due respect to you but you know 
uh, Sarah with her cute self, her beautiful self. The Bible says she was beautiful. She tried to help God out and say, hey, look like God ain't, ain't coming through like he said, so go get my handmaiden hang out there. At 86, at 86, he, he promised him at 75, but 86, uh-huh, yeah, 11 years later, his wife said, wait a minute. Go get Hagar and have a son. Maybe this is the way God wants you to have a son. Huh? You got to believe God even though you don't see it. So what happened? They couldn't see how God was going to do it even though he spoke it. Abraham believed it and received it at 75. And 86, he, 86 year, uh, years old, he uh, listened to his wife and go ahead and, well, this is my wife. I guess she knows what she's talking about. I'm going to go ahead on and do it. And he did. But God said, no, that's not the promised child. And then when God said, no, you and Abraham going to have a son. Sarah said, I know if, if, if y'all, if, if let's bring it up to date. If somebody told you, you 90 and he 100 and they said, y'all going to have a baby. You said, the devil is a lie. So at 90 and 100, they have the promised son. It took them 25 years to believe God for the promise. So sometimes when God spoke something, some things that we do will delay what God spoke in our lives. Because we get in the way and try to help God out. And I believe that God waited so long so they'll know that it was not you, it was God. Because we have seen in some country where 80-year-old men have children. God said, oh, I'm going to wait a little longer. So Sarah laughed because she said, we both dead. But you got to believe God even though you cannot see it. Are you hearing me? I got to obey God. Y'all hearing me? I got to obey God even when I don't understand it. So let me see if I got this right. I got to obey and I got to believe. And then thirdly, I said that faith is what? Giving even when we what? Can't afford it. Now watch this. Giving and faith go together. Write that down. Say it with me. Giving and faith go together. And giving doesn't just involve money. It involves everything. Faith is all about giving God whatever we value most. Whatever we possess and don't want to give up. Faith is about giving God our most valuable possessions, whether that's your money, your family, your reputation, uh, or whatever it is. And the irony is that it's never really ours until we've given it to God. So let me move on through here. The first approach is giving 
is we start with what we have. Say that with me. I got to start with what I have. The second approach to giving is, number two, give what you have to Jesus. We got that from verses 10 and 11. Give what you have to Jesus. Say that with me. I must give what I have to Jesus. Now, everybody in this room want to make sure that they get the most bang for their bucks. And we've had classes at this church before on how to use coupons, and there have been people who have saved, you know, anywhere from 40 to 75% couponing, you know, on their grocery bill because uh, they're so committed to using coupons. And, you know, and I've seen others of you who have squeezed every last drop out of a dime. Now, as, as hard as many of you work to get the most out of your money when you spend it, you should also have a desire to get the most out of your money when you give it. So the power of this story didn't come from the fact that there were two fish and two and five loaves for around 15,000 people to eat. If Andrew and Peter would have simply taken those two fish and five loaves and started handing them out to the crowd, how many people do you think they would have fed? Not many. I think that we can guess. Huh? Not very many. So what made the difference? What made the difference is to whom they gave the food to. Now, who did they give the food to? They gave it to Jesus. And what happened when they gave it to Jesus? Look at the end of verse 11. As much as they wanted. The people had as much as they wanted. Jesus took the small offering of turn and turned it into a feast. And that's what Jesus does when we give to him. He takes our gifts and multiplies it. He takes our gifts and uses it to bless and satisfy people. That's what he does. It happens all the time. I think about how God has blessed the giving of the winning church since we first started. There were a handful of people that decided to come alongside Dr. B and I when we started the church, and when this church started, we really didn't have anything to offer, right? We didn't have a children's ministry. We didn't have a youth program. We didn't have a, a building. We had a budget, you know, uh, really, uh, we, we had a little small budget on paper, and that was it. But a few people were willing to invest their time, their ministry, and their money. And now, almost 32 years later, we can look back and say, God did this. Amen. There's no ex other explanation for it. Jesus was making a simple statement to our church and also to the disciples as he fed the 5,000. And the statement was, I'll supply all of your needs. So Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and 19, look at it, it says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes it's tough to think about giving. I totally understand that we have bills to pay. We have things that we want to do. 
but God tells us to trust him and he'll take care of us. Are you hearing me? There was a mother who was putting her little girl to bed, but her daughter was a little scared of something and was having trouble uh, getting to sleep. And they got to talking about God, and her daughter asked, does God ever sleep? And the mom said, oh, no, honey, God never sleeps. And so the daughter was quiet for a while, and then she said, well, then, if God is going to stay up all night, there's no sense for us both staying awake. And with that, the little girl turned over in bed and pulled a blanket up over her neck and fell asleep. See, God knows what's going on in our lives. He's not asleep on the job, but he does call for us to trust that he has eyes on us. Are you hearing me? And if we know that, then we can be generous and relaxed knowing that God will provide all of our needs. And so the first approach is to giving is start with what we have. The second approach is to give what we have to Jesus. And the final approach to giving is watch for what he supplies. Say that with me, watch for what he supplies. Now the scripture challenges us to be a generous steward of what we have. As a matter of fact, the Bible points out to us that at least a tenth of what we have is to be, is to be given back to the Lord, according to Matthew, uh, Malachi 3, uh, indicates that channel for giving is the church. And so now if you're a skeptic, you might be thinking that the giving of the tithe is a ploy for people who work in the church to get paid. And I guess you know that in some cases that's been true. But the tithe isn't just a way the institutional church milks the congregation for its funds. See, you got to understand that the giving of the tithe is a demonstration of faith. Say that with me. The giving of the tithe is the demonstration of faith. See, it's not even about the amount of money you give. It's about your faith. It's about your obedience. It's about your trust. And when we give, we're showing God that our grip on our earthly possessions is light. We're showing that we're merely stewards of what we have and not the owners. See, the tithe, the giving of the tithe is also a challenge. How many know that's a challenge for a lot of people? And if you go back to Malachi 3 and 10, God told his people to tithe. Now, our natural instinct isn't to give away a tenth of what we have. It is to hang on to it, to spend it like, you know, we want to do. And it's to use it for ourselves. But God told us in Malachi 3 and 10, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. That's what he says. So he says, test me. The only way to find out if I'm really or not, I'm real or not, is to try me out. 
So once you do that, then you see what happens. What happens if we put God to the test in our giving? Look at what Michael Kyle wrote. He says, see if I will not open the floodgates or the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. In other words, it's going to keep on flowing. There's no measure to it. There's no limit to it. That when you do what God say, he's going to give it back to you multiplied. So the boy in our text gave all that he had. What did he have? Two fish and five loaves of bread. And so Jesus took what he gave, and verse 12 tells us that everyone was full, and they, they were, there were leftovers, and the word full was used in speaking of animals at a trough that had eaten so much that they walked away from it because they can't eat anymore. God want to fill you up so much until you say, I can't take no more. He want to bless your life so much until you say, you know what, I got to give some away. Some of you right now, you fat, you full, you got stuff all in your garage, you can't even park your car in there because you got so much extra stuff, you can't even put stuff in drawers. You got stuff popping out the drawer, you can't even put stuff in there, can't even close it well because you got stuff running over in your house. Got a freezer full of stuff. And you put it in there one time and then go back to it. It's freezer burn. Because God been so good to you. So you say, what did I do? I go buy another freezer. I go buy another refrigerator. No. Eat what you have and then replenish it. Confound it. Some of y'all laughing because I'm telling them the truth. I'm telling on you. Jesus gave a physical example of what he does in a person's life when they follow after him. Watch this. He fears their, he feels their life so much that they realize they don't need anymore. God want to fill you so much until you realize you don't need no more. You need to be giving, it, giving, up, giving away to other people. There's no shortage of food and money on the earth. It's just in the wrong hands. $946 billionaires, all they got was gave with 1.2%. Shame on them. They got more money than they ever spent in their lifetime. They'll never spend it in their lifetime. What's going to happen with it? Somebody going to take it and do something with it. They don't have to look elsewhere for satisfaction and hope. Jesus feels the emptiness in our lives. But just to top everything off, Jesus also provides leftovers. God said, I'm going to give you so much until you have leftovers. Now, most of us help Lord. We put away our leftovers until... They spoiled. Somebody already noticed they done done that. I heard it out in the audience. We could have done something with those leftovers. But no. We put it away to never go back to it again. Are you hearing me? So in our story, after the multitude had been filled, 
we're told that the disciples picked up 12 extra baskets of food. So this reminds me of Psalms 23 and 5, where David wrote, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and look at here, my cup, good God Almighty, run it over. It overflows. So what are you telling us, bitch? Even in the presence of your enemies, God is going to anoint you with overflow. The folk that talking about you, your enemies, God is going to anoint you with overflow even in their presence. There's some folk that done kicked you to the curb, say you never amount to nothing. But in their face, God say, I'm going to anoint you with the overflow in the presence of your enemies. Don't worry about them. God going to anoint you with the flow overflow. And to say your cup overflow is to say that you've been provided with more than enough. That you've been provided with even more than you can handle. And, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not much of a coffee drinker, but occasionally I drink a cup or two. I really don't understand what all the hoopla is about Starbucks, though. That, that, that's, that's just me. I don't, I don't understand it. That's just me. Don't throw nothing at me. I know some of you all, you, you swear by it. You, you cannot, you, uh, listen, if it's not from Starbucks, you don't want it. It's, a, it's saying Starbucks for a reason. Listen to the, 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 the latter part of that books. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Now that probably doesn't say, you know, a whole lot about my sophistication about coffee. But when my wife and I go out to a restaurant every now and then, uh, we drink a cup of coffee, and there are a few things that I picked up when we go out to a restaurant. Probably the most important thing I've noticed is that when I go to a restaurant for breakfast, uh, they'll have coffee cups on the table, but the cups are always turned upside down. And now if I leave my cup that like that, it gives a sign to the waiter that I don't want any more coffee. But if I want to have a cup of coffee, when I do need to, what I do need to do, I need to turn the cup over. It's only when I turn the cup over, the cup is turned over, that I'm going to be able to receive the coffee. Y'all ain't with me. I'm going to get ready to close here. That's what giving is like. God is like. God, he said, you want me to bless. You want to be blessed by God. You want to experience the presence and the power of Jesus. Then you have to turn your cup over so that you can receive. What does that involve? It involves me being open to doing what God called for us to do. And when the disciples put into Jesus' hand what they had, it was only then that Jesus blessed and multiplied what they gave. Don't you long to see God do something spectacular in your life? Don't you long to know that something that happening in your life comes straight from God? Giving is the opportunity to see God move. Are you following me in here? 
And so I honestly believe when we give, we uh, see God bless us beyond what we can imagine. It is through my giving that I give, I get a tangible picture of what God is moving in my life. And so I believe many of us as Christians have missed out on seeing God move in our life because we've been too afraid to release our grip on things of this world. And so we haven't been willing to uh, surrender the power of our purse to God. But if we do, then God says he'll bless us. Can you say amen? I'm closing now. And so I know giving messages aren't the most popular message. And most of the time it's because we don't like anyone else telling us what we're supposed to do with our money. And I get that. I'm the same way. But I like to start approaching my giving in a new way. First, I want to start by giving what I have uh, to God. And second, I want to give what I have to Jesus. And finally, I want to watch uh, watch him supply what I give. And so Christians are, you are ready to accept these, uh, yes, uh, this challenge. Are you ready? Are you ready to trust that when you tithe, God is going to provide and take care of you? Put him on the test and see what's going to happen. After that, I'm going to, my God, I'm going to ask you to turn your cup over so that when God start pouring, that it will run over. I'm telling you, in the restaurant, they are pouring to the top, and then they will stop. But that ain't like God. When God, when you turn that cup over, God start pouring, and he is a God of more than enough. It start overflowing into the saucer, and when the saucer get filled, you take the cup out, and you drink it out of the saucer. Well, God ain't done with the saucer. It'll run over the table. It'll run down the leg. It'll run on the floor. If you turn that cup over and say, God, I'm going to give you something to work with. Whatever you give me, I'm going to use what you give me. If it's a little bitty cup, I'm willing to turn it over. Is there anybody here ready to turn their cup over? I'm ready to turn my cup over. Because I need God to pour some more. Because I got some more vision. Is there anybody here that got some more work to do on the behalf of God? Will you kindly ask your neighbor, now, neighbor, is there anything uh, that you want to do on the behalf of God? Uh, tell him, say, well, neighbor, I challenge you. And I trust that you uh, will turn your cup over. Uh, because God is in the pouring business. Uh, let him pour it out on you. Uh, he's got some more anointing uh, that he wants to pour out on you. Uh, he's got some more joy uh, that he want to pour out on you. Uh, he's got some more love uh, that he want to pour out on you. Uh, he's got some more peace uh, that he want to pour out on you. Uh, he's got some more long-suffering uh, that he want to pour out on you. Uh, can you say amen? Uh, Oh, somebody shout, I'm ready for God to pour it out on me. Yes, yes, I'm ready for the overflow. Give somebody a high five and say, God want to give me the overflow. Find somebody else and say, overflow. Find somebody else and say, overflow. 
Turn your cup over. Tell your neighbor, turn your cup over. Now, turn it over now. God's going to pour you now. Turn that thing over. Now, turn your life over to God. Turn your ministry over to God. Turn your family over to God. Turn your life over to God. Turn your husband over to God. Turn your wife over to God. Turn your business over to God. Shout glory. Yeah. season where God want to pour it out on your life. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. And when he pour it out on you, you're going to find somebody that you got to share with because you can't take it all yourself. Are you listening to me? You can't take it all yourself. So you're going to be looking for somebody saying, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Find you somebody. Say, is it you? Is it you? Or is it you that I got to share with, that I got to give to, because I got the overflow of my life. Shout glory. Y'all have a good day now. Let the Lord use you on this very week to come, because he's going to pour it out on you. He's going to pour it in your cup. If you don't want no more, turn your cup back over. Now, can you say amen? But I detect that you want some more. Then turn it back over and let God pour. Let him pour it out on you one more time. Pour it out on us, Lord. Pour it out on the winning church one more time. school get right. Pour it out on us till our businesses get right. Our resources get right. Pour it out on us. We need it now. We need it like yesterday. Shout glory. Hallelujah. Shake somebody's hand and say I'm ready for the downpour. I'm ready for God to pour it out on me. Now somebody give him a you know like you know that you know that God is about to pour it out on you he's pouring it out like he really want to let it pour it out on you get yourself ready ready set on your march ready set go and let God glory. I will never be the same. Look at somebody beside you and 
Say, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. God is going to refresh my life. I'll never be the same. God is going to renew my life. I'll never be the same. God is going to recharge my life. I'll never be the same. God is going to revive my life. I'll never be the same. You're going to look at a new person. There's a new me. Talk to your neighbor and say, there's a new me coming out of me. There's a new you coming out of you. You won't be the same. God is changing our life. He's changing the story. We're turning the page. We're going to a new chapter, a new lease on life. You will never be the same. Never, 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 never. Never, 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 never. Shout glory. Yeah. What shall I do? If I feel like I don't have nothing. What shall I do? I'm going to use what I have. I can't do nothing with what I don't have yet. All I can do is have faith for what I don't have yet. But I can do something with what I already have. And what I already have, I'm going to share it with Jesus. And if God is who he say he is, and he is. He says he's going to multiply what I have. He's going to supply my every need. He said, test him, prove him. Check him out. See if I won't open up the floodgates. See, it's, something is holding it back. But God said, if you're not giving anything, I can't open the floodgates until you do what you do. As soon as you obey me, he's going to say, and the floods gate going to rush right in. So your life ain't going to never, ever be the same. Every time you look at your life and how much God is pouring into your life, you'll never, ever be one that say, you know what, I ain't even tempted to rob God. And even if the temptation come, I'm going to say, get out of here. I can't afford not to. God done brought me too far. Now, you go on. If you don't want to trust him in that way, you go on about your business. But this is the way that I'm going to trust God. See, I got to obey. I got to believe. And then what's the third one? I got to what? Uh-uh. I got to give. Right? OBG. Got to obey. Got to believe. And I got to give. 
Got it? I got to do that. I got to obey. I got to believe. And I got to give. One more time. Say it with me. I got to what? I got to obey. I got to believe. And I got to give. Now watch this. All three of those are indication of your faith. When I give, it proves that I'm in faith. When I believe, it proves I'm in faith. And when I obey, it proves that I'm in faith. Your faith is revealed by OBG. That's how it's revealed. So people that's talking all that talk, watch out how they obey the Lord. You see whether they got faith or not. People talking all that talk, watch how they, they believe the Lord. You see, you see what they got. People talking all that faith stuff, watch how they give. You see what they got. Because my faith is the indication of all three. All three shows that my faith is intact. So I'm, I'm teaching, I'm preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to Christians, I'm preaching to believers today. Who have tried to justify it and make an excuse, what if I'm broke? Must I remind you of the little widow woman that had only two mites? Everybody was coming up to the offering plate and giving. And what did Jesus say about this woman? She gave more than them all because she gave what? All she had. Even though what the amount that they gave was more than her, but he said she gave more than them all. Because she gave up everything she had. She didn't have nothing after that. But you got to understand. If you make a sacrifice on the behalf of God, he will never, ever let you go without. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't understand this song, but this is a song they used to say. You can be God's giving no matter how, no matter how you try. Y'all remember that song? Then they say something like this, uh, the more you give to you, you, yeah, the more he'll give to you. Just keep on giving. Just keep on giving because it's really true. Oh, you can, you can. Y'all remember that song? Now, how many of y'all remember that song coming up? How many remember that song? See that? Them song meant something back then. I ain't mean, I ain't know what it meant when I was a little boy. You little boy, you be like, uh-uh, I ain't giving up my stuff. Lord gonna have to wait. <laughs> but now I've lived to see exactly what they meant. When they say you cannot 
outgive God. Because he got a way of giving more back to you. Come on, put your hand together and give God praise.